This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. From the west coast of the United States of America, I'm sitting in San Francisco. This is a town unlike any other town ever anywhere. That's all I'm going to say. And every time I come here, I'm always amazed at the levels of disconnection between this state, because of course I was in Los Angeles for over a week, and now I'm in San Francisco for the last two days, and they're just nothing like the East Coast, or certainly not like South Florida, where we all live, well not all of us, but many of us, And it's just so crazy to me that you could be so different and still be citizens of the same great country. Now, great is a figurative term, but I am convinced that there's no greater place to live. And so we just got to figure out how to fix this place because we got some serious issues confronting us right now. I had no idea what was going on in the real world for just a couple of days. You know, I was up and running with all the news until about midweek last week. And then I said, you know what, I'm just going to put it down. Anything that's super important, I'll read, but I'm not going to look at the minutia. You know, Congress is not in session, which is uh, actually good for the country. They can't do any harm. And so I, I backed away. I only paid attention to anything that seemed extraordinary. And everything seems ordinary these days. What would surprise you? Nothing surprises me. So when I get up this morning, or actually, I actually got up yesterday morning on New Year's morning and read about uh, some guy in a SUV full of gasoline canisters driving into a crowd of people who were hanging out and having a good time on New Year's Eve at a a concert in upstate New York. And so far, I can't find anybody who's willing to call it terrorism. Uh, There doesn't seem to be any obvious link to terrorism, with the exception of the fact that the uh, guy left a note. And the note is not... uh, It's not just undiagnosed mental health issues, which is like always what they want to fall back on. I mean, this was a head-on collision right outside the Kodak Performing Arts Center, and 16 gas containers were involved inside of that, that car. So was it a failed terror attack? I don't know. Nobody's saying so yet. This was a guy, a 35-year-old guy, rented the SUV. He ended up, I think he died this morning. Two people that were in a car that he struck, they were pronounced dead at the scene, but it sure could have been a lot worse. The fire that the crash caused 
took about an hour for them to get under control. Now remember, this is New Year's Eve. Everybody is stretched thin when it comes to law enforcement, and in particular this year, where everybody was saying, oh, you know, we don't know, there's all kinds of chatter online, and there's going to be some kind of an attack, and I know I don't live in that state of nervousness anymore. I pay attention, and I try to figure out what the odds are, and I always play the good odds. You know, I don't have to go somewhere where I'll feel unsafe, but I was on an airplane on New Year's Eve. I was not, not New Year's Eve exactly, but that day on the 31st, I got on a Southwest flight from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Kind of a commuter flight, I guess you would call it. I'd never taken that flight before. Anytime I'd ever gone from one city to the other, I drove. But this time I took this little plane and people were in a pretty festive mood. You know, Christmas had just ended. The kids that were around all seemed to have some kind of new toy they wanted to play with. Everybody was like on their best behavior, even like the dogs. Because on my flight out to LA, the dogs all misbehaved on the plane. I mean, I never heard so much barking in a confined space as I did on the ride out there. But this was a, a easy breezy flight on Sunday. Thank goodness, you know, thank God that he made it easy for me. But it was interesting being in the airports because the first thought I had is airports are prime targets for not just acts of terror. I mean, terror is one thing, but also they're prime targets for, shall we say, misunderstandings and fussing and fighting. And I was more afraid of that than anything else because I'm on the left coast. You know, I don't dare get into a discussion about anything. So I just, mind my own business. I was flying alone. My husband went back to Florida when I came up here to Northern California. And I just said, stay to yourself. You know, don't look, how do you not look MAGA? I was trying to figure out like, is there something about the way I hold myself or the clothes I wear that, I mean, I wasn't wearing a Trump hat or anything like that. But I almost had that sense that everybody was watching each other closely. And then if there was even a slight suspicion that you were a Trump supporter, or even just a random Republican, you might get, uh, you might get your hat handed to you, so they say. So I was just very cool, kept by myself, did everything according to the rules, got to the airport in plenty of time. It was an easy flight, got here, got my Uber. Well, I will tell you the best part about the flight was as I'm standing on the line to board the airplane, there's a, a gentleman standing right next to me and he's obviously taller than the average bear. Like six foot eight to me is a very tall guy. And I think that's what this man was. So I'm, I'm looking at him out the corner of my eyes is a big basketball kind of state with the Golden State Warriors and the LA Lakers. I mean, you don't get much bigger than those teams. And all of a sudden you get that sense that everybody is looking at this guy. And, and my sympathies immediately go out to people who are being tracked, monitored, followed around um, by people because they have some celebrity status. Now, I must admit, I didn't immediately recognize him. I mean, he wasn't the 
kind of superstar that someone who has only a passing relationship these days with basketball since all of that nonsense with the taking a knee and all that other garbage went down and BLM. So I don't have like a uh, uh, the same kind of connection I may have had in the old days, but I know who plays and I recognize that this guy was a basketball player. And then it started, you know, first it starts with parents basically sending their young kid over to him because they figure he's probably going to be nicer to their kid than to anybody else. And it was cool. You know, he was super, super friendly and polite, um, looked a little old, I thought, to be, you know, much of a, a, a superstar to the kids whose ages we're talking about, but everybody seemed to know who he was and... It's so easy these days to figure out anything. I mean, you could just like go to Google and they have a little camera device and you can find out what anything you're looking at, who it is, what it is. And so that's exactly what I did. I must admit I cheated. And I was on the plane with Matt Barnes, who was a champion with the uh, Golden State Warriors. He's played with the Grizzlies, with the Lakers. He's just played with a lot of teams and he is no longer a player. But I found it kind of stunning that this guy was flying coach with the rest of us, although I don't know if in Southwestern there's anything but coach. Anyway, he was flying coach and very seemed really humble and nice to me and very friendly. And we ended up talking a little bit. I said, you know, um, I don't have any celebrity like you do. I said, but I have, you know, I do a radio show and over the years I've always wondered if people understood just how awful it is for them to call attention to us when we're just trying to get from point A to point B. You know, it's no big deal. And I mean, compared to this guy, now that I know uh, who he is and what his story was, um, you know, I, I would want to draw a comparison between the two of us, but the feeling is the same. That feeling that you're grateful that people think highly of you or that people are what you would call fans. And then on the other hand, you just wish everybody would leave you alone. And so I kind of said that to him, maybe not that in that pointed a manner. And he totally felt better when I said, I said, look, I think you're behaving really nicely and accommodating everybody in spite of the fact that you just want to get, I don't know if you're going home or getting to your next destination, but you've been really, really nice to people. That's all I have to say. I also didn't know that on Southwestern, you can go sit anywhere you want. It just, you have to go during your uh, period of boarding, like if you're in group A or group B or whatever. And so he and I were in the same group and we ended up um, sitting near one another, not next to each other, but near one another. And I, I just watched how we operated. And I was grateful. I was grateful that there are still people who have not let all of that fame and fortune, you know, just get to them. Now this guy is, you know, he wears a, a, a ring. He's a, he's a real contender, a real legit star. And you couldn't have met a nicer guy. And I, I say that, you know, then of course you start doing all the research and there was a problem with him and another player. And I, I mean, just all kinds of stuff comes up can't keep any secrets on the internet. But the bottom line was, all I could judge anybody on these days is how are you behaving right now? You know, he ended up just like me, 
uh, grabbing his his bag and going to the rideshare area at San Francisco International Airport, which is where you, if you're going to take an Uber or a um, Lyft, whatever these organizations are. I, I only know Uber because it was the first one and I have an app on my phone that does Uber. So we were both taking an Uber and I was really kind of amazed. I, I guess in my head, you think of people who act more like they're enamored of their own superstardom than anybody has a right to be. He was nothing like that. It was really just refreshing. And I thought, what a great way for me to start the new year by determining once and for all that you cannot judge a book by its cover. You cannot decide ahead of time what a particular person is going to be like. You can make some guesses, but in the final analysis, you will have to make a decision based on what you see. And what I saw was a very nice youngish man. I guess he's early 40s, doesn't play anymore, um, but definitely uh, treated the uh, people who came up to him with tremendous courtesy, like more courtesy than I possibly would have had. I'm just not that happy when people jostle and push at you. And he must have taken, I don't know, I, I probably saw him take 15 selfies myself, so could get kind of tiring, I would imagine, but he was just a nice guy. So I said, okay, so this year my lesson is beginning on day one, don't prejudge anybody and stop pretending that you have to be different than you are just so, well, just so people will leave you alone or get along with you. Like I uh, may not have to wear a, a Trump hat for people to have a sense of my beliefs. I don't know. I don't know if it's all over me. I'm pretty traditional in many ways, but I just decided this is going to be one of those years when I'm getting to a place where I just want to be authentic and I want everybody else to be authentic. Stop hiding, whatever your political beliefs are. If you're a liberal, then just be a liberal and stop pretending you're not. That bothers me more than anything else is all these people say, well, no, I'm actually a social this and a conservative that. No, you're not. You know, you're one of two things and that's pretty much across the board. There may be grades, but there ain't distinctions. And so I'm going to be very authentic this year, which is great for the listener because it means I'm going to tell it like a T.I. is all the time. And I'm going to tell you right now, as much as my children would love for me to move to California, they would do anything to get me to move to California, to get me and Poppy to California. They'd buy us a house. They'd buy us a church. They'd do anything. All we'd have to do is say, okay, but I will never move to California, exclamation point. It's not for me. You know, I'm not a traditional East Coast girl either, but California's so weird, man. If you haven't been out here in a while, trust me, it's weird. Elon Musk looks more normal than anybody I meet just walking around on the streets. It's crazy. Yesterday we went to the park to throw around a football, my son-in-law and the two boys and me and my daughter. And I got to tell you, I, I saw more weird people than I think I see in a month in Florida. And they were all right there, out there, being weird. Didn't care how weird they were. So let's all get authentic this year, all right? Just be real. Hey, 
Might be fun. You never know. All right. We're going to take a break. Don't forget that you can download our app, the 850 WFTL app, and that way you have access to all the podcasts and all the contests. We've got great contests always going on. And you can participate just by going to the website, 850WFTL.com. But if you have the app, it's a whole lot easier. So get the app. Let me take a quick break. And I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAP Podcast. Podcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Album, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So there's like one thing that you really don't want to hear about or see on the news when you're traveling, and that's uh, any kind of delays at airports or worse yet, any kind of accidents, right? And apparently there was a plane, a Japanese airline, a plane erupted in flames after it collided with a Coast Guard aircraft. And it wasn't at just some small airport. It was at Tokyo's Hanada Airport. And this happened, and it's so hard to know what day. It happened on Tuesday, but Tuesday there we're Tuesday now, but it, er, it was earlier. Might have even been yesterday when it was Tuesday there. I don't know. I'm so confused with the time zones. I'm really just like so over. Why can't we all just be on one time zone? What is the purpose of having all of these multiple time zones? You know, I'm looking at uh, on New Year's Eve, my grandsons and I were celebrating, right? My daughter and her husband went out to dinner and a, a concert and I said, well, what time are we going to celebrate? Are we going to celebrate East Coast time? You know, if you're going to watch the ball drop, it'll only be nine o'clock here. Or do we wait and, you know, celebrate at midnight here, which is like three o'clock in the morning in New York? And, you know, they said, no, no, Bobby, we, we, we celebrate East Coast. And I thought about that. You know, one other reason I could never live out here is it's just I could never get used to this time difference. Like, I'm used to the day beginning on Eastern Standard Time. And I don't know, you know, I wake up here and I'm looking at my uh, my clock, my Fitbit watch, and it says 8 o'clock. And I'm like, 8 o'clock? I never sleep until 8 o'clock. Well, of course not. It's 5 o'clock where I come from. That's more like it. That's about when I get up. So, you know, I don't know if I could stand that. You, we were watching the Alabama-Michigan game. And, you know, my husband is watching it back in Florida. A big, uh, big fan of both teams. So it was a, a, a hard game for him. Uh, I think he was happy, though, that Michigan won. But 
I'm thinking to myself, like, it is three hours difference in the time when he would watch a game. Like, my husband goes to bed when the sun goes down. (laughs) And so you would miss a lot of stuff if you live on the West Coast and you still want to maintain East Coast kind of life. So it's just too much of an adjustment. At this stage of my life, you know, the only adjusting that I'm willing to do is to bring the seat a little bit closer to the steering wheel in my automobile. And even that, you know, I'm glad for all of the automatic buttons and and dials now. At one point, when I was in Los Angeles, had to do a little traveling in a, I guess it's a, I don't know what you call it, seven-seater SUV so that there's a third row. And so at one point they wanted me to get, well, they told me to get in the third row. So I'm climbing into this third row. It was like the hardest thing I ever did. Uh, you, Anybody over the age of 60 does not need to climb into a third row. That's all. Very difficult. I don't bend the way I used to. I'm not as, as, I'm not as anything really is what I'm finding out. Everything's slower. Everything is limited. You know, definitely not as agile. But my heart is in it. I'll, I'll give it my best shot. So I squished my way back into that third row once. After that, it was like, yo, younger person, get in the third row. I really must admit that traveling, which used to be one of the greatest adventures, it is a great adventure, wherever you're going, if you're going across the ocean or if you're going to a a neighboring state, traveling is an exciting thing. Most of the time you look forward to it for weeks ahead of time and you revel in it and then you come home and you go through all your photographs and your souvenirs and all this other stuff. Not anymore. You know, traveling is difficult more of an inconvenience than anything else like i really can't wait until they perfect um you know the the sort of star wars kind of trans teleporting like if i could just teleport myself places i'd still travel but because i have to get on airplanes and go through tsa although i must admit tsa was smooth everybody was telling me it's going to be rough the holidays cross country it was good. They Everybody had their acts together. I was not involved in any delays. I shouldn't speak because, of course, I'll be coming home uh, late tomorrow night. I'll be taking the red eye tomorrow night into Fort Lauderdale. And I got to tell you, I hope it holds up because if you're traveling, it's hard enough without any unexpected or unforeseen nonsense happening. And uh, so that's it. My traveling days are pretty much a thing of the past. So did uh, Claudine Gay remain the president at Harvard? Apparently not. Today she resigned. Uh, Boy, it took a long time. And I couldn't really explain why she belabored it. You knew she was going to have to eventually. I don't know what's going to happen to the MIT uh, president. But today Claudine Gay wrote a statement. She's resigning from her position as the president of Harvard University. It's been, what, two months? It was the testimony regarding the October 7th Hamas atrocities that started this ball rolling. And then the next thing you know is all these uh, plagiarism 
accusations and uh, who's an anti-Semite and would you do the same thing if it were a BLM? I mean, you know, it just got very ugly and very, very convoluted. And you would have thought you're, you're not going to be able to retain this position. You're just not. So why would you linger for two months? But that's what she did. Hers was the shortest tenure in the history of Harvard University or Harvard College. Um, and people have been saying from day one that she ought to step down, which is what uh, Liz McGill did, the Pennsylvania University of Pennsylvania president. She stepped right down after that fiasco with Elise Stefanik, the congresswoman from New York, just asking them, like, you know, how do you feel about this? And, like, do you really want to defend these uh, pro-Hamas student groups? And do you really not think... Uh, that you should be protecting Jewish students, and you know they just weren't able to answer the question appropriately, and they knew it. But she hung in. She certainly faced a lot of pressure from the Jewish community, the Harvard Jewish community, for what it's worth. By the way, this, the number of people who are currently seeking admission to Harvard is dropping like a rock. Yeah. And if you want to knock out entire groups of people, whatever that group may be, because Jews aren't that large a group. It's not like you think it would be so significant. But we're talking that admissions are down 20% because you don't have to be Jewish to not believe that it's insane to have treated those protesters in the manner that they were treated, almost as though they were the victims. So it's been been an interesting experience watching all this go down. She did finally, though, resign. Um, I, I think it might have been the plagiarism charges more than anything else. You know, I don't know that she's an anti-Semite, and I don't really care. I mean, you're entitled to be an idiot or an anti-Semite, you know. But I don't think she could withstand the fact that more and more people were saying, like, but wait a minute, you know, she didn't give the right... Um, the right, uh, what's the, the term that they use? Um, when, you, when you use other people's material in a doctoral thesis or in your own publication, you have to be very straightforward about what is your work and what is somebody else's work. And is it research misconduct, what she participated in? Um, she has submitted a lot of corrections for errors in citation. And citation is course, is giving people credit, but maybe not doing it um, for everything, or maybe, uh, I think in her case, uh, she thought nobody would ever look this carefully or this closely, and probably nobody ever would have. She was the first black president of Harvard, and what can I tell you? She is no longer the president. I don't know what her future is like. I'm sure she can be a top-flight professor anywhere and will be. Her career is not going to end, but that's a pretty big uh, position to have to resign from. And she did it, or she posted it on X, formerly known as Twitter. When we come back from this break, I want to talk about X. I want to talk about Twitter. I want to talk about Elon Musk. It has been a really bad year for him, really bad. And uh, I read some staggering numbers of how much money has been lost by Mr. Musk. So stay right where you are. I'll be right back. I really do have to go back to what I really have been thinking. I said to my grandson, my 11-year-old grandson, 
who is super smart, I was telling him that Elon Musk is a hero to me. And he looked a little confused because I think that he thinks I don't have heroes like that. What he and I talk about is football and basketball and, um, you know, things like that. What 11-year-old boys want to talk to. Then we don't talk about politics and we we don't really talk about business necessarily, although he knows a lot. Um, But I did mention that I was a big admirer of Elon Musk. And he, he wanted to know more. He wanted to know like what it was that I thought. And then he pointed out something to me that I really didn't, I didn't know. And now I've really dug in for the last 24 hours. This has been a brutal year. 2023 was a brutal year for Elon Musk. I mean, it, it, dozens of setbacks. Um, he lost a ton of money on X, which is, of course, the platform formerly known as Twitter. He's been accused repeatedly of anti-Semitism. He's had all kinds of public legal battles with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and, and you name the watchdog group, they've come after him. And now, of course, the latest blow, I'm sitting in California, so it's a big news story here in California. X lost a bid to block a California content moderation law. So in other words, again, every time this guy has turned around, since he pretty much staked out a little bit of territory and said, I'm going to be about free speech, and I don't care whether it makes me unpopular or popular, I'm just going to stand on the principle even if I lose advertisers, and let's face it, I think he acquired the social media company. I mean, we talked about it endlessly for a long time. He paid $44 billion back in October of 2022 and immediately started like just laying off people and uh, trying to change everything about Twitter. And he fired all of the top executives. He laid off like thousands of employees, never a popular thing to do. And he rolled back the content moderation policies that were in place and started reinstating the people that the prior uh, administration, do you call it, Jack Dorsey and his team, he started to put them back on, give their accounts back to them, probably the biggest one of all, uh, former President Trump, who still really doesn't even use X for all of the controversy about him being restored He's using his own platform, Truth Social, predominantly. I don't participate that much in any of these online uh, quick take platforms anymore because they're boring to me. I mean, it's the same stuff that you can get in, you know, just on your computer looking at a news feed. We have so much information. It's so easily accessed. Who cares? I don't really need to know what everybody in the universe thinks about every given story. As a matter of fact, it's overwhelming and boring. So within a month of taking over Twitter, he lost 100 advertisers. Now, as somebody who works in an industry where we are literally dependent on advertising revenue to stay in operation, I mean, I wish I could tell you that 
The only thing that matters in radio or in television is how good your product is, but that's a lie. The product has to be good, no question about it. I think we deliver good products. I know um, many, many television uh, stations, many cable news stations, they all deliver at least adequate and sometimes extraordinarily good content. But that's not what keeps them on the air. They have to pay the talent and they have to pay enormous costs. First and foremost, the government gets all kinds of fees. You have to have licensure. You have to have equipment that's up to par. The equipment itself is extremely costly. You have to have the fastest uh, speeds. You have to have IT people like at, at our radio station cluster in West Palm Beach. We have two gentlemen who devote all of their time to just making sure that the radio stations are putting out sound at all times, regardless. It doesn't matter if there's a hurricane coming, you still got to be on. So it's expensive to run uh, any of these platforms. And if you lose 100 advertisers on a platform like Twitter, you're basically going to be up the creek without the proverbial, you know, paddle. By January, Guinness's world records or the Book of World Records reported that he had secured the world record for the largest loss of personal fortune in history. Now think about that. That is not an accolade, uh, you know, an honor that you want. He lost $182 billion between November of 2021 and January of 2023. Most of us will never in our lives see that kind of money. $182 billion? And come on. He lost that. And a lot of those losses were because Tesla, which is the electric car company that he founded, um, their stock prices were in the tank. The billionaire then buys Twitter and the Tesla stocks go down further. Now, I'm not enough of an analyst to be able to tell you why that happened. I mean, from a very layman's point of view, it's obvious that if you're pumping a lot of money into one aspect of your uh, corporate platforms, multiple platforms, cars and Spacelink and all these things that he has going on, if you've got a loser in it, it will drag down everything else. You're not going to have as much money for R&D in the electric car business. And the competition got really strong. I mean, uh, Tesla is not the only game in town. Just about every major automobile company has an electric car, has a hybrid. Many of them have done phenomenal in terms of making them more affordable. You know, there's a lot of Teslas in California. Of course, it was a company started in California. So uh, you see a lot of Teslas on the road, including these driverless Teslas, which freak me out. But you see a lot of these Teslas, but you also see a lot of everything else. Like my son-in-law and my daughter drive electric uh, Volvos. One is a hybrid and the other is fully electric. And they're, you know, they wouldn't drive anything else. As my son Derek said to me the other day, I have no car bills. I don't have a gas bill. I don't have, um, 
you know, the kind of expenses, motor expenses that other people have. He's very satisfied. He's a satisfied customer of electric vehicles, but he doesn't own a Tesla. As a matter of fact, he didn't ever own a Tesla. He had a Nissan. He had uh, Fiat. He's had a number of different cars. Now the uh, he has a Kia, but they're electric cars. Uh, Tesla's not has no corner on any kind of market. So, you know, when he took that hit, it hit his stock across the board, including his Tesla stock. And now. You see all this confusion. What are the blue check marks on X? And what is X? And everybody refers to it as X, formerly known as Twitter. I feel like, you know, it's a prince, you know. Uh, it, it's, it's not the easiest thing to follow. And there were a lot of people faking accounts when the first changes started to take place. There was a fake account that was posing as the governor of New York saying she was going to run as a Republican in the governor's race. There was a, uh, somebody impersonating a paramilitary head of some group in Sudan. So it's a really, it's an intense business. And no matter what your business model is, you got to be on top of it at all times. And the odds are you're going to expend a lot of resources to get it up and running. And you lose 100 advertisers. I can only speak... For as a person who is in a business that's dependent upon advertisers, you may not make it. You may not survive. Now, he has managed to survive at great personal sacrifice. That's why they said he has lost more money personally than any other human being ever. That's crazy. Would you be willing to do it for the freedom of speech? Maybe that's why I think so highly of him. Don't forget that uh, coming up after me is Eric Erickson. He'll be followed by Joe Pags and Lars Larson. And then, of course, uh, the Overnight Guys, the Red Eye Radio. Tomorrow morning, the morning show will be back, the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, by Dan Bongino. And then at 3 o'clock, I'll be back for a final California broadcast. But I still have one segment left for today, so don't touch that dial. I'll be right back. Well... And as if it wasn't just bad enough what I was talking about, you know, an individual losing a fortune, it's a story, but it doesn't affect uh, very many of us other than as an interesting story. But there are a lot of companies, according to all of the websites that I was reading over the last 24 hours trying to get to the, you know, to the bottom line of what Musk's problems really have evolved into, there are a lot of companies in serious, serious trouble right now. A lot of big firms look like they may go bust. Um, first and foremost, you have higher borrowing costs, and you've got the pressure that's exerting or being exerted on consumer budgets. The, you know, these companies like tech firms are going to be the first ones to feel it, right? Because they grew at incredible rates. And then they came upon, and look, remember, we came through COVID where people's companies had to be shuttered, sometimes permanently. I can think of a number of my friends whose businesses no longer exist. Now, for many of them, they just opted out a little earlier than they might have. You know, they were already looking towards either 
retiring or, or handing the reins over to someone younger. So for some of them, it was kind of okay to take early an early out. But for a lot of these big firms, it's not going to be okay. And it's particularly going to affect the whole chain of workers. Um, I can think myself, remember, I have a daughter-in-law who left a, a business that she was a, a principal of to go to work for Meta, which of course was is the overall company that Mark Zuckerberg owns. It encompasses Facebook and everything in between. And she, they let everybody that they hired when they hired her, because they were, you know, talking about the metaverse and it was going to change the world and all this stuff. And they hired a ton of people, including a ton of attorneys. And when they let them all go, that was a big vacuum. Many of which, much of which did not get refilled. So then you add tough economic conditions to that picture. And you're going to see more and more business failures during this 2024, I think, than anybody anticipated. There is a, uh, a service called the Insolvency Service. And it basically tracks which companies are struggling and which companies look as though they will not survive another one year. Um, and the figures from the Insolvency Service showed the total of company failures over the first 11 months of 2023 was way more than was reported during the entire year of 2022. So that was in the construction sector. It was in the business services industries. You're talking about a fifth of all the businesses which no longer exist were in those two arenas. And they're going to remain the hardest hit even in 2024. You're also going to have hospitality and retail. You're going to have failures. There's no question. You have higher energy prices. That drives everything up. You're going to have pressure on consumer finances and their borrowing costs. You know, people can, uh, are seeking ways of buying a home, and they uh, are faced with higher interest rates and much stricter demands from banks who just don't want to be left with bad loans. Hospitality sector, retailers, a lot of uh, shops and a lot of workers are going to be in some serious pain in this upcoming year. And you know what that means? It means this is going to be an election unlike any we've seen in quite some time. And all the Judases are out for Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Neither one of them can seem to find many friends. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here still in San Francisco, but on the air tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.